very much, David. It's good to be sharing with you again tonight, just as we look at our final passage in 1 Thessalonians 5. From verse 11, we're going to look to the end. So if you've got your Bible, look through it, because I'm going to take it verse by verse. So we're going to go through it, rather than read the whole passage and then go over it, we're going to go through it verse by verse and see what encouragement God wants to give us from it. Because it's been interesting looking at the topics we've looked at through 1 Thessalonians. We've looked at the practical practical aspects of our living faith. Our faith isn't dead. It's not something we just do. It's a living faith which, um, which impacts every area of our life. See, we've looked at how we serve each other. How do, we, how do we apply what we learn? How do we do it? Because Paul was talking from a distance to a group of young Christians who he longed to serve. He longed to be there with them, encouraging them side by side. And the thing is, as we go through our lives, we get opportunities to journey with people. We get opportunities for whenever people come in, we can actually invest in them. We can spend time investing our life in somebody else's life, whether that's at school or at work, or even just in, you know, as you come to church and serve in different ministries in the church. Like the food bank is an amazing opportunity. And we've had Mark come in the past few weeks, and it's been brilliant just to invest in him and show him some of the love of God. It's been brilliant seeing that. It's been brilliant seeing different people um, just be encouraged by what we do and how we do it. So I want to encourage you, live your life serving each other, encouraging each other, building each other up. Because tonight's passage is all about encouragement. It's all about building each other up and making each other excited about the faith that we have. Because as I said, our faith is living. It's not dead. See, we even looked at death through the passages we looked at. We looked at death and looked at the transition after death, from death to, uh, through death to eternal life. Even though we are living in our eternal life now, we all have to go through this portal of death. And what's it going to be like? And what's it like on the other, coming out the other side? We looked at the second coming of Jesus and how that is ultimately our goal, is to see Jesus come again so that we can go and be with him. And this is to excite us. This is to encourage us that, you know what, it's okay that, you know, this broken mess that is this world isn't the way it's going to finish. We know the ending it's almost like the worst movie script ever because God's given up the ending before we get there. He's told us. Like, I don't know about you, but I think one of the biggest movie twists that I've ever seen was Sixth, The Sixth Sense, whenever I watched that movie. It was just a really, really good movie. Um, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but you know what? But the thing is, God gives away his twist. God gives away his ending where, where we get to go to heaven and be with him. Those who have believed in Jesus get to go to heaven. See, and now in this last passage, this is the encourager's dream. This is basically what, uh, what we all should be like. We all should aim to be like this. We should all be aim to encourage each other because there's enough people ripping people down in this world. There's enough people challenging people. Like, I don't know if you, if you know about the guy that passed away just down Central Drive after being stabbed. You know, and there's people on there saying, oh, he must have deserved it. And the, and, the, and the amount of bad and negative comments that people have said to somebody they don't even know, somebody they don't even care about. There's enough people tearing people down in this world 
We need to be countercultural. We need to go against the flow. We need to encourage people saying, look, there's this life that you're supposed to live, and it's so full of life that you won't even understand how amazing it is until after your life has passed. That's how amazing this life is meant to be. It's meant to give us dreams and hopes for the future. So if you haven't received a dream, or if you don't have a dream for your life, get praying and say, God, reveal to me in a dream or a vision something which I can aspire to, something which I can believe in, something which will excite me, something which will encourage me. That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to come to God and ask him. We're all meant to encourage each other. Because in verse 11, it says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. That's exactly what I've just been saying. So are you, who have you built up in the past week? Who have you built up? Or have you just went through life like everybody else, just drifting through life and just seeing what comes your way? Who have you intentionally decided to build up this week? Who have you intentionally decided to encourage? Because it's, uh, it says that um, the people in Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, they were doing this. Because it says at the end of verse 11, just as you, just as in fact you are doing. So can people say that about the people of St. Paul's? Can they say that about you, that you are an encourager? You're somebody who is good to be around because you walk away going, wow, that's good. Wow, that makes me feel good. Not in, a, not in an arrogant way, not in a way which is not true, but in truth, saying, I love this aspect about you. I love this and that, and I love everything that you bring to the table. I love the person that you are. That's what we're meant to do to each other. That's how we're supposed to be. Because, you see, life is not a sprint race. It's not a bang, the gun goes off, we go, and then that's it, it's over. Life's a marathon. Life sometimes gets really, really hard. There's some points in the marathon when you hit the wall, whenever you feel like you want to give up, whenever you feel like oh, it's all just a waste. If Julie was here tonight, I'm sure she could tell you all about that because she's a runner and she runs and then I'm sure there's plenty of points in the runs that she does where she just wants to give up and just say, why am I even bothering with this? You know, I'm not even doing well. I'm nowhere near my best time. I'm nowhere near as good as I've been. And that's the way life can be sometimes. Life can get on top of us. Life can drown us in worries and in um, situations which we feel overwhelmed. And that's why we need encouragers. That's why we need to encourage each other. You know what? It's going to be long, hard miles, but we need to take time and make decisions when to push in. And sometimes we need to make the choices. I don't feel like I can encourage anybody, but I need to. Sometimes we need to choose to be encouraging others because the more we give away, the more we'll receive. I used to go on loads of teams whenever I was younger doing missions and outreach. And I usually came away from the teams more encouraged than probably most of the people I, t I spoke to. Most of the people I had a, a chance to witness into their lives and tell, because it encouraged me in my faith so much because I could see that I, I was speaking some truth to them and that they were being encouraged by the truth I was speaking. So that actually made me more encouraged than them. Because it, as it says it's better to give than to receive. See, we need to encourage each other. And you don't know the difference that you can make in somebody's life just by encouraging them, just by being there for them. 
it goes on in verse 12. It says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. See, we should all have people in our lives who inspire us. Do you have somebody that inspires you in your life? And if they do, when's the last time you told them? When's the last time you encouraged them by saying, you're an inspiration, the way you've done this, the way you've done that, the way you've encouraged me in this way and that way, the way you've served in this way and that way. When did you last do that? When have you ever just pulled them to the side and spoke to them and just said, you know what, thank you? See, for instance, I, can, I know that I can say without a shadow of a doubt, a lot of people in St. Paul's really appreciate you, David. I can honestly say that because of the man that you've been over the past few years. You've been a rock for this church. And people have really been inspired by you. And you've, you've kept them together. You've kept their hearts together in seeking God and seeking to find God. And alongside you, you've had, you've had Kerry and Cynthia and Muriel. And they've just been your, they've been your supports. So whenever you feel like you, you were weak, they were supporting you and encouraging you. And then around them, you've got the trustees of this church who've really invested um, a lot of time and a lot of effort sorting out a lot of the stuff in the background that most people wouldn't even see. You know, if Harry was here, I'd pick him out because he's always hands-on. He's always trying to, to physically do stuff around the church to help improve and maintain the facilities we have. But when's the last time we encouraged them and said, thank you? When's the last time that we pulled alongside them and said, thank you for all you do? Most people don't see it, but thank you. See, we've got to hold them in the highest regard because of the work. That's what the next verse says. It says, hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work. We've got to love them because they're serving us. Not because they serve us, but because they are serving us. We love them for If somebody gives you something, you appreciate it. You appreciate the gesture. You appreciate the heart that they give it with. That's why it's rude to refuse a gift. Because they're coming at you with the right heart and the right motives, giving you this gift. So you should accept the gift. But some of us find it really hard to accept gifts. Some of us find it really hard because we feel, you know, we might feel, I don't know, a bit of pride or a bit of something else. And just sort of, oh, why should I accept that help? But we're meant to accept help whenever people freely offer it. If they're doing it with the right motives, it should be a free gift. It goes on and says, live in peace with each other. You see, we are meant to live in peace. We're meant to live in peace, in inner peace and an outer peace. So we're not meant to go out and challenge people. We're not meant to go out and fight people. And we're not meant to go pick fights. But at the same time, we're meant to confront the storms in our life and actually not let them dominate us, but let the peace of God that's within us dominate whatever situation we walk into. Now, this is obviously very hard because some of us are very fiery. Some of us, once you have a belief on something and something contradicts that, you want to stand up for it. You want to fight back. Like, all you've got to do is watch the West Brom versus Villa game, and you'll see two contrasting beliefs. But in essence, they're only kicking a bag of air around the field. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's only football. But this is like eternal peace that we're talking about. This is 
you know, this is the ultimate peace. Now, yes, obviously, we've got stuff we believe in and we've got football teams we love and things. So, you know, I, you know, emotions can get heightened. But we're not meant to get carried away with emotion. But we're meant to be filled full of the love of God and the peace of God. And let that flow out of us. That's how we lead a peaceful life. Because we seek to get along with each other. We don't have to believe exactly what everybody else believes. But we can work together. So every church that we choose to work alongside of St. Paul's, we're not going to have exactly the same doctrine as them. We're not going to have exactly the same application of God's word that they have. But the fundamentals are there. The fundamentals are correct. So because we, can, we have the fundamentals correct, we can serve together in love. We can serve together in encouragement and encourage them for their beliefs and for what, they, for what they do and how they apply the word as they see it. We can encourage them with that. And then it takes a twist and it says, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. We're meant to challenge people who are idle. We're meant to challenge people who don't do anything or who talk a lot but don't actually do a lot. Now, it's not, now don't get me wrong. Our faith is not about doing. Our faith doesn't come from what we do. But as a response to the love of God, as a response to having this love in our life, we're meant to be active in showing others the same love. This, this love should be a natural response from our life. This is why we're meant to encourage people. So if people claim that they love God and their actions don't show it, do they really love God? That's the challenge that we all have to face up. We all have to challenge people who talk a good game but don't deliver. It would be like me talking like I'm the best footballer in the world, but I never actually grab a football and show you how good I am. Now, I couldn't do that because I'm not a good footballer. But that's a separate issue altogether. So we have to actively participate in the life of the church. In, the, in, in our lives, we have to actively show people the love of God, which has filled us and is overflowing out of us. That's what the God, love of God is meant to be. So if people are struggling as well, we're meant to pull alongside them, put our arms around them, and just say, come on, and encourage them. So it would be like at that point in the marathon when somebody's hitting the wall. The worst thing that sometimes that they can be is alone. That's why it's good to, to run with others. I know Julie always runs with somebody else. So at that point, whenever one of them are struggling, they can encourage each other and say, come on, push through this. Push through. There's better on the other side. There's more waiting for us. There's better to come. The victory is there. That's what we're meant to live our lives being like. So when we see somebody struggling, we can all encourage. And you did that to, Kate, uh, to Naomi and I, uh, Katie, Naomi and I. Yeah, you did it to Naomi too, even though she didn't realize it. You encouraged us whenever we were going through the hard time of losing, uh, of, of losing the, the baby through miscarriage. You surrounded us in prayer, surrounded us in love. You put your arms around us. You, put, uh, you really encouraged uh, Katie to go through the emotions, all of the stuff that surrounds that. And you know what? That transforms the way we do life. 
whenever we have people there saying, we understand, we're here with you, we're standing with you, or even we don't understand, but we're here with you. If you need anything, just ask. That sometimes means more than just saying, well, I don't know, so I'm not going to say anything. I'll stay away. And that's sometimes the most dangerous thing we can do is when we think we don't have to say anything, when we think we don't have to encourage, we don't have to be there. So if people are struggling, be there for them. And if you're struggling, ask people for help because people will encourage you by responding and being that help. We have to be patient with everyone. There's some people who unfortunately love having a crutch. They love having something to moan about. So we need to actually be patient with those people in helping them through the situations they're going through. Because sometimes you can tell somebody 10, 15 times the exact same point and they won't understand it. So we need to be patient with each other as we go through our journeys, as we go through life. You know what? It's hard to be patient but it's worth it. There's a, funny, uh, there's a funny point in a movie I was watching once called Evan Almighty. Whenever um, Evan's been told, right, basically, you need to build an ark. So it's a modern day telling of the story of Noah, really, for those people who haven't seen it. And um, Morgan Freeman plays God. And as part of his role, he was a waiter in a restaurant whenever Evan's wife was running away with the kids. So she was running away going, I can't cope with this whole situation. And at the start of the movie, they prayed some, uh, they were, they prayed some prayers together, um, Evan and his wife. So then God turns to, to Evan's wife, I forget her name, but it's, and it's, turns around and says to her, let me ask you something. If, so, if someone prays for patience, you think God gives them patience or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If he prays for courage, does God give him courage or does he give him opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings or does he give them opportunities to love each other? And that's a big, it's a big twist point in the movie where, where reality sort of goes, ah, that's what it means to be. The opportunities there for, for me to love, the opportunities there for me to be patient, the opportunities there for me to be courageous and step out and ask for that in faith. But do we take them opportunities? We need to be, need to be careful to take those opportunities when they come along. It says in the next verse, it says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Don't plan to take revenge on people. Don't plot to go out to get your own back. The Chinese actually have an ancient saying that if you go out to take revenge against someone, dig two graves. Because revenge will actually consume you. Revenge will actually, it, it'll kill you too. So you might get revenge on that person, but you're actually destroying who you are. That's what it means by that ancient proverb. So we need to be careful. And you know what? If we love people, if we truly love people, they won't understand it. Because all they'll know is, I've hurt them. And they won't understand why you're loving them in return. The Bible actually says it heaps fiery coals onto them 
Because it will actually really get them under their skin going, why are they loving me when all I'm doing is hating them? That's what we're meant to be like. The Bible passage goes on and it says, rejoice always. So even in the worst situation, you know what? God's working, God's moving, God's going to use it so we can rejoice. It doesn't matter whether things are going great or things are bad. We have to rejoice. And that doesn't mean that we can't be mourning. It doesn't mean that we can't go through hard times. It doesn't mean that we can't be glum sometimes. But, we, but we're not supposed to stay in that place. We're not supposed to stay in a negative place. We're meant to be filled full of the life and love of God. That's why we're meant to praise him. That's why we're meant to rejoice. Because ultimately, we know the ending. We know where we're ending up. We know where we're going to go. We've got to pray continually. And it's funny, um, Chris, um, this morning, he's, um, he, he read out an old hymn. And I had actually wrote that down in, in the next section as prayer to pray continually. We're meant to pray continually because it says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit and what needless pain we bear. All because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. You know, it's, it was very timely that Chris said that this morning, and, I, and it was already down for me to preach that tonight. I think God's trying to get a message through. Bring everything to him. Give everything to him. That's all we're meant to do. We're not meant to carry the burdens. So if you're feeling burdened by what you're going through, give it to God tonight. Bring everything to God it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do we ever actually sit down and count our blessings? Do we ever actually sit down and actually take account of all the good things that we have in our life? If you have a roof over your head, you're very privileged. If you have more than one pair of shoes, you're in the top 5% richest in the world. If you have more than one pair of shoes. Now, that's pretty good. And I know there's plenty of people in here with more than one pair of shoes, me included. You know, we need to list our blessings from the littlest things and just go, God, thank you. Thank you, God, that I didn't have to go out and chase, chase food tonight, God. I didn't have to go and try and find something to eat. I, all I had to do was open my cupboard door and it was there. That's such a blessing. You don't realize how hard it is for so many people all over the world just to find enough food to last till tomorrow. It's so hard. So let's not take stuff for granted. Let's be encouraged by the fact that God blesses us so much, so much more than we can even count. It goes on in the next verse and it says, do not quench the spirit. So do we listen to God? Are you listening to God and responding to what God says to you? Do you pray when you feel God prompting you to pray? So during, during a meeting or during a time with a friend or during a time, do you feel sometimes prompted to pray? I know I do. And sometimes I listen to it and sometimes I don't. That's my own feelings. That's my, it's what I'm trying to work on is to step out in faith more and respond whenever God prompts me. Do you share God's words that he's given you? Because sometimes God gives you something to share in either a meeting or with another person or something and just saying, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I believe God wants to say this to you. Do you do that? Do you encourage each other with words? 
Or do you even have prophetic words sometimes? Just say, really want say, want, believe God wants to say this into your life. He wants to unleash you in a new direction. He wants to talk to you in a new way. Do we have something which causes a bit of a dream to stir up in people? But do we share it? Or do we quench the Spirit? Do we not actually engage with God's Spirit in that way? Do we engage with God whenever he's actively moving among us? Because it goes on to warn us and says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Because too often sometimes you can hear somebody and it's like, it's that one person that always calls out. It's that one person that always prays out. And there's all, you know, every church has that one person, whatever, in whatever way. You know what? Or do we dismiss it and just sort of say, oh, they're just talking or they're not talking sense, they're not talking to me? Or do we take what they say and weigh and test it and go, God, is that relevant to what I am doing? Is that relevant to where I am? Is that relevant to what you're doing? Does that match up with your word? Does that match up with the scripture? Yes, it does. Okay, God, then that might be for me. That might be God speaking into my life. Are we willing to listen to God's word? Because it says, but test them all and hold on to what is good. So if it does match up, hold on to it. Just say, God, okay, if that's a promise given to us from you, I hold on to it. I claim it. So I know some, some people in this church have dreamed that this church is filled to the rafters to the point where we have to develop the church under the car park next door just to try and accommodate people because there's going to be so many people. Is that a dream that we want to hold on to? Is that a dream that we want to, is that, is that a dream that we believe is from God? If it is, let's press in. Let's, let's, let's get a hold of it. It says, reject every kind of evil. And you see, rejecting evil, it really comes without saying, doesn't it? If we're going to be holy and try and follow God, we have to reject the devil. We have to reject what the devil's doing. We have to reject anything that draws us away from the presence of God, draws us away from our relationship with God. Because it's a bit like any other relationship. Sometimes you feel close, sometimes you don't. But the thing is, if we make a vow and a promise, God is good and faithful to meet us at that point. And God promises to love us. Do we promise to love him as well? And are we meeting God in that? Because sometimes, see, sometimes we can just say stuff without realizing it. So the Lord's Prayer, for instance, you can just repeat it and repeat it. But do you mean the words every time you pray it? Do you really mean, give us this day our daily bread? Do you really mean, Lord, forgive those who trespass against me? Do you forgive others that trespass against you? Do you really mean what you pray every time you pray? Or sometimes do we say the right words? This is why we need to actually resist evil. Because the devil would love us just to repeat the Lord's Prayer time and time again, but it means nothing. But when we truly apply the structure of what Jesus was teaching his disciples, of this is how I pray to God, whenever we truly apply that and actually believe it every time we pray it, you know what, that transforms everything. It transforms the world. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May God, oh, sorry, may your whole spirit 
soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, to sanctify us means to make us holy and righteous, to make us basically acceptable in God's presence. And I don't know about you, but I'd love to be holy. I'd love to be righteous. I'd love to be in right standing with God, that I can stand in his presence. And that's what we're called to be. We're called to be holy and righteous. So is there some ways that we know we're failing? Bring them to God. Don't carry the burden of them. See, it says, those with clean hands and pure hearts. It says it in the Psalms. What will they do? They will ascend God's mountain. They will ascend the hill of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to go up God's hill. I want to be where God is. I want to be in God's presence 24-7, not just on a Sunday for a few hours here and a few hours there. Do you know what I'm saying? It's meant to be a daily living in God's presence. That's why we need to be sanctified through and through. That's why we need to be cleansed of all the stuff that we do wrong. And it's a daily coming to him and just saying, God, help me with what I'm struggling with. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. It's not about what we've done. We've always got to remember that. It's never about us. This is why we can be so encouraged. It's okay when you fail and when you fall. It's bad if you stay there. But you know what? Whenever you fail and whenever you fall, you need to go to someone and say, can you pray with me? Because this is how I've messed up. This is how I'm weak. I need you to help strengthen me. That's why we can't lift anybody up on a pedestal. That's why nobody can be any holier than anybody else because everybody makes mistakes. And that's, that's why a lot of things sometimes have went wrong in the past with a lot of different revivals and a lot of times of movements of God because people come and, they're, you know, and then we lift them up on a pedestal saying, wow, look at how amazing this person is. They're leading this revival. They're leading this movement. They're leading this. And then all of a sudden we find out some sin that's in their life, and we're going, well, how can God use them? Oh, that, that was going on in the background. How was God doing that whenever that was happening in the background? Because at the end of the day, we're all broken human beings. And that's why, we can't, that's why we can't lift somebody up higher than their station. We are all brothers and sisters in God. The only person above us is God himself. We're all equals. And that's a beautiful thing about what God's doing because the one who calls us is faithful and he'll do it. He will hold us righteous. He will hold us with him. It says, brother and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all those brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. See, if we remember that this letter is sent to a group of young Christians, we need to show an example, true encouragement to people who don't yet know God or to people who are new to the faith. So there is people in our fringes of our church who just basically don't really fully understand and comprehend the love of God. They don't really understand. That's why we've got to be encouragers. That's why you've got to go and encourage people. That's why you've got to be yourself. And just say, look, this is the joy that I've found. So that's why all of these forms of encouragement that I just read through, all of them are valid. Every single one of them is special in God's eyes. That's why we need to be careful to observe them 
so that we can truly, in every aspect of our life, encourage people so that we don't rip down something that's, that somebody else is trying to build, that we don't rip down something that somebody else is struggling with. And we do it in love. We do it because God loves us.